Father in heaven, Lord, this morning we ask that we may hear from Jesus himself. We ask for his spirit, that Jesus may be seen, and Jesus heard, and Jesus experienced. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture reading is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And if you can turn your Bibles quickly there, because I know you guys are Bible students, I won't wait for you. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. This is Sabbath school time. We're going to do actually some uh, scripture memorization. Amen, everyone? Amen. Some of you are thinking, oh, no. We're going to do one memory verse today. And I wish we had the Sabbath school quarterly, but we don't. We're going to memorize this verse instead. Verse 5. Repeat after me. And besides this. I don't hear any of you. And besides this. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. And to your virtue knowledge. Gentlemen, repeat after me. And besides this. Giving all knowledge. I forgot my verse already. <laughs> Add to your faith virtue. And to your virtue knowledge. Ladies. Oh, ladies. <laughs> and besides this. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. And to your virtue knowledge. And everyone, where is this found? Now, I will quiz you and test you later on in the day because I know all of your short-term memory is excellent, but your long-term memory is where we need to store this in. Amen, everyone? Today's message is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, and we're going to only look at three passages this morning because of a limited time. This passage is talking about the ladder of Peter. Peter is a fisherman. We studied that last night, and I appreciate it so much. How many appreciated Elder Bachelor's study on diligence and Elder McIntosh's study on faith? How many appreciated that? I've never had two messages on a Friday night before, but that was just simply long but amazing. Amen? <laughs> long but amazing. We also have two messages for Sabbath school, so I don't know. Maybe this WIC is like you know double portion of spirit. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, maybe that's it. We have here Peter, a fisherman. In my imagination, I imagine Peter to look like Ernest Hemingway. Why? I don't know. He has a scruffy beard. He has white hair, sort of, grayish, salt peppery. He has these huge forearms with like, if he were living today, he'd have a Popeye-esque tattoo as a non-Avenist on, on his forearm. I just imagine that from bringing these, these, these um, nets in. He's not a theologian, but in this letter, there's some deep theology. Let's read from verse 1. It's so complicated that we can't understand what the fisherman's saying. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained the like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's the greeting. Verse 3. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is a long sentence. How many of you immediately know what he's saying? For me, I don't. I need to break it down and maybe Englishize it and make it into smaller sentences. And we don't have enough time to do that this morning. Basically, what he's saying is this. To know more about God. 
we have to become more like his character. Is that clear? As Adventists, we love to know more about God. But there comes to a point where you hit a limitation about knowing more about God. You actually have to become like him to get to know more about him. Is that clear? And finally, he goes into the latter, verse 5. This is where we're at. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And today I've been assigned a virtue. My question to you is, what in the world is virtue? When I think of virtue, I just think of the plain popular usage is girls keep your virtue. How many of you have heard that before? That's what I think. I think of virginity here. And then I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I really don't. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not discounting virginity. Add to your faith virtue. What is virtue? Some translations do this. NIV calls it goodness. The Wycliffe translation calls it excellence. The Clark translation calls it courage, fortitude, vigor, energy. Robertson calls it a mental excellence or moral quality or physical power. In the NASB, King James is my favorite, but NASB has a more accurate translation of this word in Greek. It means moral excellence. What is it, everyone? Moral excellence. In Greek, it's arete. Repeat after me, arete. It means moral excellence. Add to your faith, what? Moral excellence. Arete. What does that mean? It means this energy. In one word, at least to me, how I understand it means... Yes? Add to your faith... There's no word for it. It's just this, you got to get the fists going. Fortitude, energy vitality. You know, you put this oomph in there. Add to your faith. Is that clear? (laughs) That's what Peter's saying. He's a fisherman. He's like, imagine pulling the the nets. Add to your faith virtue. Moral excellence. Whatever you do, do the best of your ability. It's like this. You have a car and it's run out of gas, Yes? You need two people to push this car. One person needs to sit in the, in the, in the, yes, there, and needs to steer. Another person needs to go out behind the car and what? Push. Faith is the person who's sitting in the car driving. You need a good driver. It is the foundation of all movement, your driver. But if you just have a driver, you're not going to go anywhere, yes? You need someone in the back to put the what? Yes, you got it. In the back to push it. Now, if the guy is in the back or a girl is pushing the guy in the back and there's no one in the driver's seat, what happens to your car? You're going to go like nowhere or everywhere or whatever, you know, not where you're supposed to go. So you have someone in the driver's seat. Your faith, add to your faith what? Virtue, the guy pushing behind. What is that? How do I get virtue? The second passage you're going to look at is Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Now, if someone's here for the first time, a non-Avenist, and they're thinking, man, these Avenists grr a lot. That's just today, not every day. So don't be turned away by our gurring. We're not beasts. Chapter 3, verse 13 of Philippians. Chapter, 12, uh, chapter 3, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. If you look at this passage, Paul is using the language 
of Olympic runners running. You, you've you studied this before. Many of you have. What is interesting for me as a youth pastor, I've seen, I have some of my, my students, they are cross-country runners. How many of you guys know what cross-country runners are? They run cross the country. I don't know why they call it cross-country, but they do. And I thought as a runner, the most important thing you need to do is develop your legs because your legs are what? Running. And your heart, yes? You'd think that. But these runners are saying, no, that's not the most important part. It is the foundational part. The most important part is to develop your arms. And I was like, what? (laughs) If I'm a runner, I'm not going to work out my arms. He said, when you come to a certain level of running, everyone's legs are about the same efficiency, effectivity, you know, big muscle size, yes? After that point, everyone's quality, everyone's level kind of levels off, and it's those whose arms are stronger gets to win. And I'm like, what? When you're running, your arms propel your upper body, making it easier on your lower body, and you can actually go faster. And I thought, Whoa, that's that's a fascinating, fascinating thing there. To be a better runner does not mean you exercise only your legs. To be a better runner, you exercise your entire what? Entire body to be a better athlete. Paul is using a similar analogy here. Verse 12, he's using the analogy of racing. And you're thinking, how do I become a more virtuous, excellent person? How do I reach this, this er level? And I believe, friends, as young people, we need this er in life. We live in a generation where indifference permeates every aspect of our lives, doesn't it? We are so bombarded with TV, iPods, and, and, and video games, PS2, and, and Wii, and the iBox, iBox, Xbox, whatever it is, that we become indifferent to life. When I'm so used to like blowing people's heads off, and I come living life, life is boring. And the thing is, your life is your life. It's the only thing that's being recorded. That's the only thing that matters. But we rather live our lives here. It's not just our generation. The previous generation was in soap operas and Coca-Cola and rock and roll. And, you know, I'm not aged. I don't know. But in verse 12, it talks about how to become more passionate in life. How to get that err in your life. Verse 12. Not as though I had already attained either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I'm, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Which is Paul saying here, number one, principle number one of how to get virtue is, do not ever think you've already achieved it. Do not ever think you have ever achieved it. There is a controversy that used to be in Adventism that thought about perfection. And I'm not going to talk about perfection because some people are going to get crazy. And this is a huge issue. But perfection is not a level where you reach. It is not a state that you reach. You don't have a checklist. Gave up cheese. Gave up chocolate. Read my spirit of prophecy for today. Studied two verses. Bing! I am perfect for today. That is not perfection. Amen, friends? Adam, when he was created, fresh out of the oven, he was perfect. But Adam was not perfect, you understand. God made Adam to infinitely grow. Read the book Education. Adam was to spend eternity growing into the stature of Jesus Christ. That's just profound, isn't it? And here we are. We, salvation, 
when we get salvation, we start growing into the stature of Jesus Christ. And when we go to heaven, get this, we continue to grow. Growing is the point, amen? Growing in every aspect. Now, how do we grow? That's where excellence comes in. I'm going to get to that. Verse 12. How come I'm in Ephesians all of a sudden? Oh, the wind blew. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It, t- it talks about, do not, uh, you haven't already attained a level, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Second principle is, keep moving. There's something that God uses with young people. Young people do not have issues. Amen? We're too young. We aren't, we're not old enough to have issues yet. We haven't lived long enough. People haven't burned us yet. <laughs> Such a pessimistic view of life, isn't it? Yes. Young people have this sort of naivete, this innocence. The Adventist church was founded by a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 17-year-old. Hey, God says, hey, start a world uh, church. Okay. Starts it. If you ask someone older, they would, they could probably do it, but they would like, well, Lord, da 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 now, this is not positive thinking. This is not something you watch on PBS, and this is not like, you know, New Age thinking. This is from Scripture. Amen, friends? Press on. This is when he goes on. Verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Verse 14 says, never give up, never be discouraged. And here's the thing. We talked about faith, friends. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, yes? In Scripture, it says, be not discouraged. Yes? There's something about God's word. God in his infinite mind, he thinks of something. He says, let there be light. And this, this, this thought, this word, travels down his supernatural lungs. And the this, this, this supernatural lungs comes forth, the supernatural breath. Supernatural breath goes through supernatural lung, uh, vocal cords. The supernatural vocal cords have supernatural sound waves. And these sound waves come out of the supernatural mouth of God. And these sound waves, say, you hear, let there be light. And the sound waves actually become what? Light. Profound, huh? Now, everything God says, it becomes. So when God says, do not be discouraged, same principle applies. My prayer for this church, for this conference, for you individually is, we need a people who refuse to be discouraged. Discouragement is Satan's number one tool. He doesn't use TV. Oh, he does use TV. But he uses discouragement even more. And you say, I refuse to be discouraged. It's not a mantra. You don't hum and say, I refuse to be discouraged. It's not that at all. You have faith in God's word that says, do not be discouraged. You read Joshua chapter 1. You say, Lord, just as you created light, just as you created these nice we Martian trees, you create non-discouragement in my life. Help me get beyond my insecurities. Help me get this passion, er, virtue, moral excellence in life. Create this in me. Amen, friends? 
That's what we need. Last verse for, for this passage. Verse 15. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this even to you. Let us therefore, as many be perfect. This is the secret perfection. It means constantly growing in the stature of Christ. Constantly walking. Now how is this possible? Our only example that we should follow is who in Scripture? Go to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And scripture says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. There's something, one of my favorite spirit of prophecy quotes is this. Those who make Jesus first, last, and best are the happiest people in the world. We live in a postmodern generation where young people desire for something authentic, something passionate in life. And Ellen White gives this promise, those who make Jesus first, best, and last are what? The what? Happiest people in the world. I want to ask you guys this. As you guys look around this, this we Martian campus here, do you see the happiest people in the world? I don't mean the weirdest people. We shouldn't be weird. We should be peculiar, amen? Let's not be weird, annoying. Well, special annoyances we talked about last night, so... We should be the happiest people in the world. That should mark us. And here, Jesus shows us what the secret to being happy is. There is a new start. There is, you know, nutrition, exercise. You can be happy doing those things. But Scripture says in verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Add to your faith virtue, meaning you have faith, you have what we talked about last night, add to it a level of oomph. This oomph is not feeling, it is not motivation, it means everything that you do, you make it your best. It means excellence. Is that clear? So that if you're going to do something, you do it with all your might. And here, if you do everything with your might, you grow in that area. And Jesus grew in these four areas, according to verse two, verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom, intellectually he grew. Isn't that weird? Jesus had to grow intellectually. Can you imagine the Garden of Eden? Jesus taught Adam about photosynthesis. He taught Adam about how all this works. And then he comes to this earth incarnate and has to relearn those things he taught to Adam, transpired through thousands of years through his mother again. So it's weird. And I'm wondering... Did he ever think, you know, if I were him, like, yeah, I know this, I know this, yeah, next chapter, next chapter. No, but he actually learned, he grew while being God-man on this earth. Second way he grew, he grew in stature, he grew physically. I don't know how tall Jesus was, but he grew. He grew a beard, according to the pictures of Michelangelo. You know, he, in favor with God, he grew spiritually. And he grew in favor with man socially. Whatever we do, friends, we must have a level of excellence to them. We must have excellence in growing our intelligence, our mental faculties. Students get a 4.0 GPA. Does Weimar have a, four, a GPA system? Get straight A's, high school students. Develop your mind to the best of its possibilities. No one's asking you to be Einstein, but you have, all have the potential to become like Jesus in his mind. We do. One way you can do that is start reading. 
we are slowly losing the ability to read. Some good books that are good to read are called the Spirit of Prophecy books. Have you heard of them? Now here's the thing. All of you understand English, hopefully. You're here listening to my English, as flawed as it may be. You're listening to English. The Spirit of Prophecy was written in what language? Now how many books are there written by Ellen White written in English? Not a lot. All. There's a reason why the Lord chose the English language. There's a reason why He chose Hebrew and a reason why He chose Greek. I believe there's a reason why He chose English. Amen? We're not some, you know, tribe in the middle of Mongolia that has no access to Ellen White's readings, uh, writings. We are American living people. <laughs> yes? Let us read. Fortify our minds with excellence. Second thing we should read, not in that order, you understand, but scripture also. Here's the thing: we're reading the ability, losing the ability to to lose to, uh, to understand scripture. The King James version is written in a 12th grade reading level. Today we've translated this to like the new kitty level, and it's like the first grade. And you know, Jesus died and is happy with you. Jesus loves you. And these are not the quality verses. They're okay for kitty versions, but not for us. Amen. We need to sit down and study this out. Amen. We need to use our minds to the maximum capability, applying faith to what? Virtue. So in the morning when you have devotions, you say, Lord, I want faith. But in exercising my faith, I'm going to give my all. I'm going to put this into my daily devotions. Amen? When I read a book, I'm just not going to read it because it's assigned to me. I'm going to read it because it is means, it's part of me. It's because I'm being like Jesus. Amen? Excellence. Second way he grew was physically. I don't know how much exercise Jesus did. I can't imagine him waking up and, and singing to the birds and then doing, doing um, jumping jacks. I'm not saying that. Okay? I'm saying we should watch our bodies. First thing is we need to eat breakfast. Amen? Amen? That's the best way to make ourselves healthier. Now, I don't know about you. I'm involved in public university ministries. Public university students refuse to eat breakfast. Young people refuse to eat breakfast. They hate cereal. They hate the veggie links. They hate those, you know, tofu thingies. They just hate that. Eat breakfast and you increase your lifespan by a million years. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Eat breakfast. Watch your corn syrup levels. Watch your trans fat levels. Watch all the... Be healthy. We are Weimar, you know, of all places. Be healthy. Amen, friends? Now, don't just be healthy because like, oh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I don't eat Mrs. Piggy last night, you heard? Uh, that's not the point. Jesus grew physically. And whatever Jesus does, he does it with this. Excellence. Let us sanctify our bodies with utmost excellence. Amen, friends? Third way he grew was socially. Sanctify your relationships in favor with men, as the scripture says. Gentlemen, watch how you interact with females. These are your fellow sisters in Christ Jesus. You will be held accountable to God himself of all the thoughts and words and actions you've done to your fellow sister. Imagine if she was your little sister, a lot of the problems we have today will be totally gone. Ladies, these are your brothers in Christ. Sanctify your relationship with Jesus Christ. How you treat others is indicative of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Parents, 
And I appreciated Elder McIntosh. He reveals, he wants, seeks to reveal Jesus Christ to his children. That boggles my mind because I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, I'm not a father. I don't have kids. I'm like, wow, parents have to reveal Christ to their kids. That's a new idea. That's just fascinating. But I think likewise, we as children must also reveal Christ to who? Our parents. Amen? Young people have a calling to remind our elder generations of the innocence that they used to have. That was grammatically incorrect, but you understand what I'm saying. Yes? We have that calling. Last way is Jesus developed himself spiritually. Sanctify your being. Have a devotional life. Have a level of humility that is blows everyone out. Not a weakness, but a meekness, friends. We must be like Jesus in all ways, growing ourselves in Christ. There's something about Adventists. My uncle is a pastor in Korea, and he has this uncanny ability to identify Adventists in public. And I'm like, this is a superpower. Do you get it when you're ordained or something? Like, how does this work? We went to a Kim's Club, which is like a Sam's Club in Korea. Kim's Club. Anyway, we went there. There was a lady, humbly yet attractively dressed. She had her hair long and very, very humble and meek. She was just putting some cereal in her little cart walking around. And my uncle was staring at her. I'm like, uncle, uh... What gives, man? Let's just get our stuff and get out of here. No, no, no. I want to talk to him. This is all in Korean, by the way. And he goes up to her and he's like, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you happen to be a Seventh-day Adventist? And she, and she, her eyes, you know, Asians have small eyes, but her eyes just got really big. And she's like, yes. How did you know? I just know. I just know. There's something about Adventists. We should have a godliness, amen? We should smell of godliness. Our aura should be godly. People should stop swearing in our presence. Not because we're holy. Because there's something about us. The minute we stop smelling of godliness, we start smelling of other things. We don't want that to happen. Amen? Here's the principle. Everything that we do, we need to be excellent. I come from public university ministries where we tell our students, whatever you do, do with all your might. Whatever you want to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. It means excellence in your professional lives. It means excellence in your families. Mothers, when you're cooking, make the most excellent dinner for your family. Gentlemen, when you're working for your families, you make sure you're doing an excellent job in front of your bosses. Children, you do an excellent job in school. Now, there's a thing in Adventism where we think, you know what, Jesus is coming soon, so let me just do a, a mediocre job. Yes? You know where the word mediocre comes from? Media means halfway. Ochre comes from ochre, means the mountain. You're only going halfway up the mountain. And here we think, you know what? Uh, here's an apple, or you know, you know, Jesus is coming soon. The world's going to, you know, explode. So you just throw it out there. You don't study your heart out because you know what? Jesus is coming tomorrow. So who, who cares about the A? Jesus only wants a C plus. So I'll just get a C plus. You just swing by. Here's why we need to be excellent. In I know a student. She believes in excellence because Jesus gave his excellence for us. So she, put, she channels that excellence into her schoolwork. She goes to the Ivy League college. She goes to, she's a history major, and she studied her heart out, balanced, and we're going to talk about temperance later on. <laughs> okay. She studies her heart out, and she gets the A in the class. She's the only A in the whole class. 
Now, you may be thinking, wow, that's great. But you th- if she's not getting the A for herself, she's getting the A for who? Now, why? In her class, she's witnessing to all the other students. The students come to her for history tutoring help. And she says, before we start, let's pray. One student says, ah, I'm not a Christian. Why should we pray? Well, I pray and I get the A. The guy says, oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Granted, that's not the best method for evangelism, but that is one step towards closer. Yes? you agree with me there? Now, here's what's profound. She's also witnessing not to the students, but who? The professor. The professor, if this lady was, if this girl was a D-plus student, would not give two cents of time to this girl, yes? But she, because she's a star student, he opens up office hours for her. Guess what history book she gave to him? She canvassed him for free. The Great Controversy. And she opened to the back. Have you guys read the back, all those footnotes? Now, scholars love footnotes. And guess what? He knew every source in the back of the book. Oh, yeah, this guy and this, I don't know any of them. This guy and this guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he read it. Unfortunately, she graduated afterwards, and we don't know whatever happened to that. But because she gave excellence, people are one to Jesus Christ. There's a reason if you put your excellence in whatever you do, if you are a trash collector, make sure your block is the cleanest of all trash. Yes? Ben Carson is an excellent surgeon. There's a reason why he's being invited to all these speaking engagements. He got invited. There's another person, Oprah Winfrey. Have you heard of her? We saints don't know these people. Oprah Winfrey, she is an excellent talk show host, supposedly. She got invited to Africa to talk about AIDS. Now, what does a talk show host have anything to do with AIDS in Africa? But because she does her job well, she has opportunities to do whatever she's got to do. There's a reason why Michael Jordan is being asked to do underwear commercials for everywhere across the world. He does well. What does basketball have to do with underwear? Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Oh, you have to wear you know, anyway. He plays basketball well, and people think that excellence transfers over to your underwear. You see? Now, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm saying this. The point is this. Your excellence, the level of excellence that you show is indicative of what kind of quality of life you live. Who is your Lord and Master? If you live a sloppy life, if you're unhealthy, if you are mean to people, if your family is a mess, that reflects something about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So Peter says, add to your faith what? Virtue. Whatever you do, put some umph excellence into it. I'll close with this one story. There is a man named Vince. He was a son of a butcher from Italy. He went to the seminary. He was a Catholic. I know, you know, just bear with the story. He is a Catholic. He goes to the seminary and he wants to serve the Lord. He really does. But he has a passion for football. So while at the seminary, he starts coaching a high school team and they go to the championships. Basically, a long story made a little less long. He goes and starts coaching for the Green Bay Packers. His name is Vince Lombardi. Have you heard of him? Praise the Lord if you never heard of him. Okay. But if you have, that's your thing. Um, in 1958, the Green Bay Packers won one game, lost 10, and tied one. One of the lowest apparently the worst teams in history of football. 
after that year, Vince Lombardi comes in. In 1959, they win seven games and they lose five. In 1960, they win the NFL championship. He wins five more in the next two Super Bowls. This is football lingo, ladies. He becomes one of the most excellent football coaches of all time. And he's known for this quote. The quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment of excellence, regardless of their chosen field of endeavor. The message is here is not, don't don't become a football coach. That's not the point. Whatever you do, whatever you have a passion for, add to your faith virtue. Make it excellent. Do the best job you can. That is reflective of your relationship with Jesus Christ. President Nixon sent Mr. Lombardi a telegram. Now, I don't know what your opinion of President Nixon is. He was before I was alive, so it doesn't really matter what I think of him. He wrote a telegram thanking Mr. Lombardi of all of his service. And he thought, as a president of the United States, he thought he was so below Mr. Lombardi, he did not sign his name Richard Nixon. He signed his name the people of America. That's the level of steam that people have. As long as you do something excellent, people respect you for that. The temptation is for us to be excellent for our sake. Amen? And there are some people out there like that, unfortunately. But Scripture says, add to your faith what? Virtue. Those who make Jesus first, last, best, are the happiest people in the world. Jesus gave his best for you. He really did. He gave you his life. What are we giving him? Young people, your mission in life is to change in this world. Now, in this generation. Older people, your job is to help us out with your finances and your resources and your encouragement. (laughs) And you can tag along too. Now, I I say that all jokingly. We are all young people here. Compared to Methuselah, all of us are all youngins here. We are. But there's a certain energy, a zeal, a passion, a certain oomph that we need in Christianity. Amen? Amen. And I want to ask you this one question. How many of you want to have this oomph? Not a feeling you understand. This is a principle of excellence applied to everything that you do. How many want this oomph in your life, this virtue that only Jesus Christ can give you? Raise your hands high, friends. If you can raise your hands, raise your hands excellently. (laughs) Let us pray. Father in heaven, we have convened here this morning and we believe we have heard from the words of your Son. Father, we ask for forgiveness for being mediocre in various aspects of our lives. But Father, we ask that you may empower us, that you may give us the divine nature to be excellent, morally excellent in every aspect of our lives. Help us to forget those things of the past and continually move forward. Lord, we do not ask to be inspired. We ask to be empowered this morning. We pray this earnestly and humbly in Jesus' name.